everyone. Nice to see you. Happy New Year, everybody. So far, so good, right? <laughs> it's pretty early, though, isn't it? <clears throat> so uh, my name's Dan Canoost. I'm the high school pastor here at the church. If I've not met you, Lord willing, Pastor Dan will be back here to fill the pulpit next Sunday. So this morning, what I want to do is I want, it's obviously New Year's weekend, right? So I want to bring some sort of a New Year's theme to the message this morning. But can we all just agree that 2021 was a year? Yeah, everybody was hoping 2020 would end and 2021 would be better. And uh, in all honesty, I'm not sure it was because Rachel and I talked about this. We talked about, oh, I think it must have been about September we were having a discussion. If we could just rewind the calendar and rewrite 2021 again differently, we'd do it, wouldn't we? Because it's like Scott prayed this morning when he was, when he was doing announcements and he's right. There was a lot of blessings in 2021. But there were a lot of challenges and a lot of burdens, amen, that we had to fight our way through and hanging on to our relationship with God and, and walking with the Lord and staying Christians in the midst of what's been some pretty challenging times. And that's what I want to do. There's, there's, a, there's a new app out that I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. I may have mentioned this to you before and don't think this is a big deal, but I've always wanted to write a book for my family. I just thought it'd be kind of cool just to take before Christ Dan and after Christ Dan and write that out for my kids so that that would echo, my story could echo through the years, if you will, into my grandkids, great-grandkids. They could always look back at, you know, Grandpa Canoost, if you will, and see Christ in my life. Amen? I know one thing that uh, I want my kids to fight over after I pass away. I don't want to fight. I don't have much, so I don't have much to fight over. But I want them to, who wants my Bible the worst? Think about that, because in our Bible is the most precious thoughts we've got and the most intimate thoughts we've got with the Lord. We scribble and underline and highlight and do all these different things in Scripture, right? Well, there's a new app out, apparently, or a new website called StoryWorth, or StoryWorth, I think is what it's called. And you can basically, each week they send you questions somehow, and you write these, you answer these questions, and then at the end of the year they put it in a book form for your family, and I thought that'd be kind of cool. Well, that got to me to thinking about this message this morning writing our story because can we just not to be discouraging but we don't get to control much in life do we circumstances around us determine what we're going to deal with do they not but i do believe this with all my heart with everything i'm worth i do believe there is one thing we can control on this planet and it's our relationship and our walk our walk with the lord we walk by his grace but we also walk by the choices that we make in life walking with god don't we and that's one of the things I want to look at this morning. I want to dig into the Bible and I want to find, I found this story that most of you will be familiar with. Some of you might not be familiar with. Some of you may find this message this morning just a reminder, an encouragement. Other of you, others of you this morning may go, I never thought about it that way. I've never looked at it from the perspective I'm doing. You may be walking with God right now and your life may be really, really good with the Lord where you sit in your chair this morning. And here's what I do know. As you sit in your chair this morning, you are exactly where you want to be with God right now. However your relationship is, whatever condition it's in, maybe you don't even have a relationship with him yet. It's your choice. So where you sit in your chair this morning, you are right with God where you want to be. And I believe that with all my heart. I really do. And I believe that we get to control this conversation that we have as we walk through life and we unfold this Christianity that we're living out. So this morning, what I want to do is if you've got your Bibles... Turn to the book of Daniel. Chapter 1 is where we're going to be looking. A lot of this is going to be review for you guys this morning. <clears throat> because like I said, a lot of this we already know. But I'm hoping that God laid something on my heart this morning that will be a help. 
And if you are walking with the Lord, an encouragement to keep going and to remember as this year unfolds. Because when the calendar rolls over, let me put it this way. I watched the news for five minutes this morning. If you'd have blindfolded me and I missed New Year's Eve, I would have never known it was 2022. Because it was the same stories, the same narrative over and over and over and over again. Amen? But that's what we got to try to figure out. How do we do this? How can, we, how can we learn from Scripture on what it looks like to walk into 2022 with a good attitude and a manner in which I can hang on and grow in my relationship with the Lord? And that's what I'm hoping the book of Daniel will give us this morning. Let me give you a little bit of background before I get into this this morning, because this is going to be pretty short and sweet, if you will. The purpose of the book of Daniel is to give a historic account to the faithful Jews who lived in captivity in the land of Babylon, and that's what the thing was, to, to show them. <clears throat> now hear this, <clears throat> excuse me, God is in control. He is, and that's what this book is written for. It's to encourage a bunch of people who were in captivity, who had been snatched up and taken to a foreign land, which we'll talk about in a minute, but that God is still in control and he cares for his people, no matter what the circumstance of a fallen world provides us. The book was written around 536 B.C., and it, it is to record the events that occurred between 605 B.C. and 536 B.C. In that range, Daniel writes to the captives of what, what's been going on and an encouragement to those going forward. Daniel served as a prophet from 605 to 536, so you guys know. That's when he served as a prophet exiled in Babylon in a foreign land. The book of Daniel is divided into two parts. The first part, the first half, probably chapters 1 through 6 is well historical, and later on to finish out the chapter is more prophetical. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at the historical part, but I'm going to ask a question this morning if you guys would help me out. <clears throat> In the room, if you're around 15 to 17 years old, would you please stand up? Just stand. I want everybody to stand. If you're between 15 and 17 years old, look around the room. Okay? Look at, look at the ones that are standing. This story, Daniel is this age when we're going to talk about what happened this morning. He's right about 15 to 17 years old. Now do me a favor, will you please, if you're between 70 and 80 years old, please stand up in the room. If you're between 70 and 80, please stand up. Now look around the room. Daniel lived his life for almost 70 years in an exiled land, a wicked land for God. From the t I've always been amazed at this. From the time he was a teenager till he was old and gray, Daniel walked with God. So as we stand in the middle of this today, if we didn't stand up, we're in the middle of this story. And we can look at the young ones in the room and amazement that the ones that stood up, I'm here to tell you, I know them personally, and they are Daniel's. They have resolved. They're walking with God, and I am so proud of them. But I also saw the ones that stood up that were a little longer in the tooth, and they're doing the same thing. So as you stand here this morning, you look at this story. We look one direction at the young and one direction at those that are longer in the tooth, and you're going to see a story where you can be encouraged to continue to walk with God. Encouraged no matter what is going on in the world. I get to control this relationship in a sense by God's grace, to make choices to stay with God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Let me give you a little bit of context. In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon. In the fall of that year, he swept through nations, took the Assyrians over. He just conquered lands over and over again. And in the fall of that year, he besieged Jerusalem. 
He, he attacked them and besieged them. And what he did to show his dominance, to demonstrate his dominance in the world, he took people from Jerusalem, from the tribe of Judah. He snatched them up, took them some 500 miles away from home, and took them into captivity. But the ones he took were the good ones, the high-level the high people that we'll talk about this morning, the intelligent, the wise, the good-looking, the ones that we see that we all look up to in society, all the Hollywood actors, if you will, the way they look, the perfectness of them, these people were real in scripture, and that's who Nebuchadnezzar snatched up and took away, okay? But for decades, Micah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, all these prophets kept telling the Israelites, if you don't change your ways, here's what's going to happen. <clears throat> they prophesied this idea of, we've talked about this before when we talked about the Bible. The Bible has fulfilled prophecy. You get Jeremiah, Daniel, Habakkuk, all these, Micah, they told of what was going to happen if you don't change the way you're living. That God is going to allow the Babylonians to come in and take you captive and take you back to their land because of your disobedience to me, God. So this is, you see this, it's, there's a sense that wicked's winning and good is losing in this, <clears throat> in the story that we'll read this morning. But that's not true. God allowed, he empowered the Babylonians to discipline his people. Why? Because he loves you. God allows us to go through trials and situations. Why? Because he loves us. It seems odd, but this is exactly what he's doing. Because if you've got kids, have you ever disciplined your children? Why do you discipline your children? Because you enjoy punishing them? No, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? This is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, whatever, dad. Right? But that's God. We punish our kids because we love our kids and we want good for our kids. And in the story that you see this morning, that's what's unfolding. So the fall of Jerusalem, don't you dare mistake this, that the Babylonians have over, they've, they've had victory over God. No, because here's what I know about scripture. <clears throat> yes, the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem and took over. But later on, God raised up the Medes and the Persians to conquer the Babylonians. God is in control going into 2022. We are in control of the decisions we make in regards to our relationship with God. Summary is this. The scripture we're going to look at this morning is found in the book of Daniel chapter 1, and it has to do with four young Hebrew boys that are at crossroads, that are at the age of these young people that stood up this morning. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning, and how at this crossroads, they could either compromise and just go with the flow and get along, or they could stand up and stay with God and walk with him. And this set, the, this set the trajectory of the rest of their lives as you read through the book of Daniel. As this new year unfolds, you guys, we're going to, we're going to have crossroads in our lives spiritually. Yes? We had them last year, didn't we? Today, can I tell you something? Today, you're going to have a crossroads in your life spiritually. You're either going to go with God or you're going to go the way of the world. And every, there are multiple times a day, we talked about this at Friday morning at breakfast with the guys, how we, there's temptations that will hit us throughout the day, each and every day we deal with them, don't we? So today we're going to deal with what we're talking about this morning. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at this idea of scripture and I'm going to read parts of Daniel chapter one, and we're going to get all the way through this quickly this morning. There's a lot here, but what I want to do is I want this to really be a help for us to see a pattern of what's going on in our world, because I don't believe it's any different today than what it was back then, really, in a sense, what's going on in our world and how do we live in this world honoring God exactly like these four young Hebrew boys started this path in the, in the book that we're going to read. 
So the very first point I want to look at is being re-educated. So if you would, turn to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I'm going to break them down briefly, give you a few thoughts, and then we'll move on in the scripture. So Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands, <clears throat> into his hands, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. Pause just for a second. That line, along with some of the articles of the temple of God, Isaiah prophesied about this a hundred years before it happened. And again, in scripture, that's why the Bible, we can show its proof. It's true because of the proven, lived out, fulfilled prophecy. Let's move on. These, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonian and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the court's officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites of the royal family and, noble, and the nobility. The young men without physical def defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve at the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine at the king, from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from the tribe of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So when you look at verses 1 through 7, here's what I see in this to set the stage. You've got these young people that stood up in a room. Somebody came in, took them captive, and took them 500 to 1,000 miles away from their home, and everything changed. Everything changed. They were far from their family. They were far from their friends. They were far from everything they knew, and they were plunged into a potential mesmerizing culture that was Babylon. It was very, very vibrant, if you will, from a world's perspective. Had everything you would ever want, and it offered the best of everything they could have. So you, here's, here's the only thought that I had. It's like taking all these young people that are walking with God and sticking them in Vegas. Bright lights, sin, porn, gambling, and all of a sudden it's at their fingertips. It's, they, they can do everything they want to do. Nobody's there. It doesn't make any difference. Nobody really, clean living doesn't really matter anymore. That's where these young people are tossed into. And many people would have succumbed to the temptations of this. Many of us, would come to the, succumb to the temptations of it. And I think part of it would be like, where's God? If God loves me, why am I here? So if I'm here, whatever, I'm not following God anymore. Look where I'm at. Look what following God, these young people that were handsome and intelligent, look what have got them. Because of the disobedience of their nation, they were snatched away. So why should I follow God? I think a lot of people would be there in this conversation and in this story. Yet these young men never lost their desire to live a holy life before God, no matter what the circumstance around them were. Daniel and his friends were the best among the Israelites, families of Judah, no blemish, had wisdom, knowledge, the ability quickly to, to, to learn quickly, and now they're taken captive in another land. The best of the best. The haves, all of a sudden, are the have-nots. They're slaves. But here's what I know. Because of, their, because of their wisdom and their knowledge and their nobility that they talked about, they were put into a re-education program, a retraining program, a re-education camp, if you will, so they would eventually be able to serve, serve the king. 
This struck me in this because every single day, whether you're walking with God or not, every single day in your life, you're being retrained. There is an attempt to retrain you and conform you every single day of our lives. It's no different, is it? Turn on the television. You're being retrained. You're being reprogrammed. Turn on music. Go to the movies. Hang around with your friends at work that are non-believers. This re-education that these guys are experiencing is the same thing for us today, I believe. I really do believe that what they were going through, we are going through as a nation right now because everything is around us is trying to tell us God's not the way to go. You can pick your own gender. You can marry who you want. None of this matters. You can live whatever life you want to live. There are believers, quote unquote, that will tell you it's okay. God doesn't say that in his word. We've got to stay on track with God. The reason for the re-education of these young Jews was simply to brainwash them, to, to, to give them a new worldview, if you will, to take them from having a biblical worldview and putting them in a sense that they have a secular worldview now. And that's exactly what they were trying to do. That's exactly what they were trying to accomplish by this three-year training program, to re-educate them in mathematics, astronomy, history, science, magic, all these different things that these guys, these guys were going to learn. And they were smart, and they learned it. Because that way they could serve God better by understanding the culture that they were in. And I really believe today, being a high school pastor, I see a lot of young people who love God dearly but go to school every single day being taught about evolution, being taught about from, from young, young kids now, being taught sexual orientation, being taught everything that goes against the flow of God's word is what they're being taught in this world today. And when that kid comes home at the end of the day, they're trying to figure out from young people because we're telling them, trust your teachers, go to school, trust your teachers, get good grades, right? We want them to do that just exactly like these guys were doing, but they've got to figure out a way like these guys not to fall into the trap of the world while they're learning what they're being forced to learn. High school, college is horribly bad, but now it's grade school, junior high. I don't think there's any level of education in this country. For the most part, they're still good. Don't you hear me right, Kay? They're still good out there, but the majority of the learning the kids are going to learn today is going to be exactly against the word of God because this world is trying to do everything they can to kick God to the curb. Even by changing their names. They gave them new names even. And it's, here's the deal. To a Jew, a, their name was a spiritual identity. It's not just today where you're Joe or Jim or Sally or Susie. These names meant something to these guys. These young people who had names that honored God. Daniel, God is my judge. Hananiah was the Lord is gracious. Mishael was who is like God. Azariah, the Lord helps and they took him and they gave him names, Belteshazzar um, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all those names honored false gods. So they were trying to even change their identity. And that's what the world wants to do with us. And we can't let them do it. We cannot give up and give in to what the world wants us to do. And listen to me. And, and I'm going to hold up a mirror. What we allow ourselves to watch on television and we call entertainment, they're reprogramming you. They're reprogramming me. They want to give us a different worldview. They want to give us just a sense of, does God really know what he's doing? If God was really in control, would this be happening? They want us to question God. And we've got to be very careful. I'm not telling you what to watch or what not to watch, what to listen to or what not to listen to. We'll get into that in a minute here. But, but 
you've got to understand, we are in a process of being reprogrammed and re-educated by the world each and every day. And I believe it's so true because I experience the same thing you guys do. So in the midst of this re-education program, how did they honor God in this wicked land that they were living in? And this land was wicked. It was evil beyond measure. Nebuchadnezzar was dirt evil at this time. <clears throat> so how did they do it? I believe the next few points that I'll breeze through here involve lessons for us on how we can be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and honor God in the land, in the land that seems to be wicked and seems to be kicking God to the curb every single chance we get in this country. Yes? We're doing it. And we got to look at these lessons, what we're going to look at now on how we get away with this. The second point is this, resolve. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. That word resolve means this, to come to a determination. So this morning, I want you as believers, maybe you're there already and maybe you're not, I want you to come to a determination to make up one's mind what you're going to do and what you're not going to do in regards to your relationship with God going into 2022, beginning right now as you sit here in this room. I want you to make a determination. I want you to resolve what I am going to do and not do in regards to my relationship with God. Because that's the only thing we can pay attention to. That's the only thing that we can make sure that the circumstance that we're going through doesn't affect how I walk with God. Daniel resolved, just like his three friends, to determine not to eat from the king's table. This probably had to do with the Levitical law in chapter 11 that you find. And it also could be that they were probably, the food was probably um, sacrificed to their false gods which would have made it defiling to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they would have ate this food. So they're not just saying, as a bunch of young brats, I'm not eating from that table. I'm not do when I was a kid, there was certain food I didn't want to eat, right? And the only reason why I didn't want to eat it is because I didn't like it. Imagine this. They were taken captive. I'm guessing they didn't have three meals along the way on the trip to Babylon. And all of a sudden, you're sitting in this room, and this guy comes in, and he offers you all this food. And the king's food and wine had to be the best. They could look at that table and think, oh my gosh, I am starving to death. Nobody's going to know. I'm going to land. Nobody cares about me anymore. I've been taken from God's land. Where's God? He's not even here. I could have looked at that table and went, it's just food. Do you understand the situation these guys were in? They had to be starving to death. The smell the aroma alone would have been something that would have drove us up a tree. Think about the best food you've ever smelled in your life. That's the king's table. That's where these guys are trying not to eat from. So they didn't want to defile themselves. What Daniel did, in a sense, he had to choose between God's word and the king's table. He had to choose between following God and the king's table. He chose, those four young men chose not to eat from the king's table. Are you? Our food's not defiled anymore, is it? But I think we feed from the king's table in a lot of different ways. And whenever I get the opportunity to share this story with the high school students, the first thing I pay attention to is social media. Now, I'm confident that in this room, you're not going to walk out of this place and put a bunch of garbage on social media yourself. You may have Facebook, you may have Instagram, you may have Snapchat. I don't know what you've got in this room. But I'm guessing if you're in here on a Sunday morning, you're not going to walk out of here and go put nasty stuff out there online for everybody to see. But here's my challenge that I want you to think about. There's two ways. Luke puts it this way. The good that's stored in a person's heart comes out of their mouth. The evil that's stored in a person's heart comes out of their mouth. There's two ways that things are stored in our heart. 
through here and through here. My, my encouragement to you this morning is, are you to think about this, are you consuming from the king's table? Are you consuming from the world? Are you watching things on television that are defiling you before God? Are you looking at things online, emails, text messages, Snapchats, Facebooks, Instagrams, the stuff you're consuming, not what you're putting out, but what you're consuming, is it defiling you before God? These are things I want to encourage you to think about. These are things I want you to, to encourage you to, to consider as you go forward. The word says how sweet, Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Resolve this year. Resolve this year to consume from God's word, not from the king's table. Listen, I'm not naive. We're all going to watch stuff this afternoon that we probably shouldn't spend time watching. I'm not talking about porn. I'm not talking about R-rated, X-rated stuff. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about something that subtly seeps its way into our lives that we are consuming that is making me sick to my stomach before God, and we don't even realize it. But here's what I know. God is faithful to go, psst, really? So the only thing I can tell you is exactly what I've told high school students for decades. When God speaks to you, stop it. If you're watching something or listening to something and God goes, really? Stop it. Get the remote control. Shut the television off. Change the channel. Push the button on the radio. Whatever it is, just listen to God, you guys, because I know he's faithful to talk to you. You know why I know he's faithful to talk to you? Because he spends a lot of time of the day talking to me. And there's times I can do this one day and I can't do it another day because God knows what I've got coming before me and I've got to resolve that I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to resolve to consume from God's word and his voice going into this year because here's what Daniel was not. Daniel was not an environmental believer. The environment Daniel was in did not impact the way he lived his life before God. Does yours? Does your environment when you're at work, does your environment at the grocery store, does your environment when you're following somebody through town and they don't know how to drive, does that impact? <laughs> That's me, in case you're wondering. That was for me. That was from God to me. Um, he was not an environmental believer. He did not become conformed because of the experiences he was having here on earth. He was transformed by the renewing of his mind each and every day, he followed God. You guys know the scripture, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by consuming God's word, by living for God, by resolving that I'm not going to eat from that table anymore. And it had to be so hard for them to do this. But by God's grace, they did it. This could not have been an easy thing because in this room would have been other people from Jerusalem. These four were not the only ones snatched up. These four would have had other people in their own spiritual faith, their own walk, sitting in a room eating from the king's table. But these four resolved they weren't going to do it. When you go to work, you experience all these different things. I know it's hard. But do not be an environmental Christian. Be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And do not let that world conform you into something you, want, you don't want to be. Here's what I do know, and i got to get through this a little bit quicker here. i got to start moving on. But here's what I know, because this is important stuff in my mind. When you get out of here today and God's been speaking to your heart about certain things in your life, here's what I would encourage you to do. Work out what you are not and are going to do. See, Daniel, I believe these four young Hebrew boys, 
They didn't make the choice of not going to eat from the king's table when they were sitting in the room with the king's food. They didn't try to make the choice, should I or shouldn't I, when they could smell the aroma of the food. They didn't try to make the choice, should I or shouldn't I, when they saw all their other fellow Israelites going up to the table to get something to eat. They made the choice ahead of time. If you will make the choice ahead of time that you're going to do and not do certain things, the determination ahead of time to resolve that I am going to be involved in that or I'm not going to be involved in that, when that, whatever that is, comes to you, no. Because I promise you, we all know this. If you could all stand up here on stage and say the same thing I'm saying, because if we try to not be tempted, to not respond to the temptation in a way that doesn't honor God, when we're being tempted in that moment, we're going to fail. I've told young people this constantly. Do, if you want to stay sexually pure, do not put yourself in a position to fail. Because if you put yourself in a position to fail, guess what? You're going to fail. And then it's like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Yes, you can. You knew better because God was talking to your heart, but you pushed God to the side and you did it anyway. You've got to make a decision before the moment comes. At that moment, I'm going to respond to it a certain way. I'm either, going to, I'm either going to resolve not to, or I'm going to, eh, I'll work through it when it happens. No. Dangerous way to live. Can't do that. This private test that these guys went through helped them live out the public life that they were going to be called to. Through the book of Daniel, because of this private test of not eating and drinking from the king's table, they were able to stand the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego publicly, and Daniel was able to be tossed into the lion's den and come out alive because the angel of the Lord protected him publicly. But I believe it happened privately is why they were able to live out the public way they lived. Please hear that. When you're all by yourself and nobody else is around, how are you doing? That private test will determine how you will live publicly before God. The third thing is this, respectfulness. Verses 9 through 16. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor to, and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who assigned me, who assigned your food and your drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any other young man your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And then listen, as Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat or drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food, took away the temptation and the wine, and they, were, and they were given nothing but vegetables instead. Now watch this. God moved on the servants' hearts and simply put it's this. Proverbs 16, 7 says this. When a, man's ways, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, God makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. God moved upon these, these officials in this court because of their obedience. God was still there with them. God was still working things out for them. So we got to pay attention to this. But he did it respectfully. Daniel did it respectfully. Please, you guys, hear this. We're going to be re-educated by the world. we got to resolve not to give into the world any from the king's table. But we got to do it respectfully. 
Because I believe impoliteness does not honor God. I'm sorry, but I don't think it does. And in today's world, it is horribly bad, the aroma of our country. Nitpicking and backbiting and constantly arguing with each other. And I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. We are fighting amongst ourselves when we need to be united as one in Christ. I think these are important things. I know we stand for doctrine in this church, and I believe the same way. But if I'm having a doctoral conversation, and I've had a lot of them over the years with high school kids, about Calvinism and Baptists and you know, Armenians and Wesleyans. I've had tons of these conversations and I've had to learn how to do it in a way that didn't respect their parents because a lot of kids that come through our youth group don't come through the same doctrinal stance that we have. They have a different doctrinal look and I've got to figure out how to have a conversation with these young, these young people in a way that doesn't offend them to their parents because their parents may have a different belief system than I do. They're Christians, they love God, but doctrinally they look at it differently. But I believe we can do it respectfully because we see Daniel doing it here. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't protest. He didn't say, you need to change your culture because I'm here. Think about it as a Christian. We've been told that people can pick their own gender. We've been told that gay marriage is okay. We've been told these things by the world, right? I don't care what other, hear me right in my heart. I don't care what other people do. Leave Christianity alone. Leave marriage to be sovereign between God, between a man and a woman. Don't try to change. If you don't agree with Christianity, don't try to change the culture of Christianity because you might not agree with it. Go live your life away from God. That's totally up to you. But that's what was going on here. Daniel did not go in and say, the Babylonians need to do it different now because I'm here. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to protest and I'm going to pitch a fit and I'm going to be mean and nasty and sarcastic until you give me my way. Daniel didn't do it that way. Daniel did it respectfully. And I believe we can too. Because impoliteness and disrespect does not honor God. With all my heart, I believe that. We can have debates and conversations and things can be hard, but we've got to be able to do it respectfully because I think we're following biblical principles if we do that. Paul did the same thing. He would address rulers that were lost and in a pagan world, he would address, he would address them with honor and respect because I believe people listen better if you do that. Here's a hard word. You ready? This one, two things. Romans 12, 18 says this, it is possible as far as it is with you, live at peace with everyone. But here's a hard word, Romans 13, 1 and 2, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God and consequently whoever rebels against that authority by rebelling, is rebelling against God that God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. This is hard, and I fail at it miserably. I'll be very honest with you. To respect who we've got in offices in this country right now is a very hard thing for me to do, but God's established them according to what Paul just said, and we've got to remember that Paul talks about this. Who was the, who was the emperor then? Nero, who burned Christians at his garden parties. That's when Paul wrote this, is when that was being, that's who was the emperor at that time, but here's what I want you guys to think about. I really believe this. I tell students this all the time. You take your relationship with your parents, how you are with them, and I guarantee you it will parallel your relationship with God. And I do believe it's the same thing for us. If we're fighting and we're nasty and we're in the wrong sense, not being respectful of the leaders in this country, and we don't like authority over the, the authority that's over us, I do believe eventually we will be challenged with our authority before God, with God's authority over us. I really do believe that to be true. So if we're fighting with the authority that God's established, 
and we don't like it, and we get mad about it, and, and you gotta, it's, it's not bad to be frustrated, hear me right, but if you've got a bad attitude toward that, eventually when it comes to authority of God, I believe it'll affect your relationship with him as well, because if you really think he's the one that's doing it, he's not doing anything. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's what I believe is so important when you look at this. Pray for our leaders. And when we're talking to authority at work or at school or at wherever that's at, we don't like it and we're not getting along with them, pray for them. Pray while you're talking to them. Go to them respectfully. We've all done this at work. Go to them respectfully and ask for things that they can change that they might consider to do differently. And if they don't, you did the right thing before God. Don't worry about it. Let God be in control. So when it comes to authority, please pay attention to that. And I'm going to close with this last thought. If I can have Bethany and Jessica come back up on the stage, please. The fourth point, which I can't get into too much, is this. Verses 17 through 21 in Daniel says this. To these four, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of time, by the, by the set time, the king would bring them into his service. The chief officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them and found them none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. So they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about the king's question, how the king questioned them, he found them to be 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom, which was big. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Close with this thought. I really believe this to be true. They were rewarded is the fourth point. They were rewarded because of what they did before God. God rewarded them with wisdom and knowledge. But these young people had to work at it. They had to learn. They had to study. They had to understand what the king was doing, what they were going to learn in the land of Babylon. So God gave them this wisdom and knowledge and discernment and all the different gifts that God gave them. Here's my thought to you guys this morning. What gifts has God given you? Because see, these four young men, the gifts that God gave them, they used them to his glory. Each one of you have a gift that God's given you. How are you doing with that gift this year? Go serve God this next year with the giftedness that he's given you. I don't know what that is. Pray and talk to God about it. Come in and talk to Pastor Dan. But these four young men use their gifts for God's glory. So when you look at them, I want this to be an encouragement to us, you guys. And the other thing is, I believe the reward for us is this. And I really believe when you... Peel back the onion all the way. We are put here for one reason, and that's to bring glory to God. And in my giftedness, by, by knowing I'm being re-educated, but by resolving and doing it respectfully, I'm rewarded with this. I did it right, and I honored God. That's it. So my reward is bringing glory to God. Make sense? It's not what I'm going to get in heaven. Am I going to get? Yes, I'm going to get rewards in heaven. But here on earth, all I want to do in 2022 is to bring glory to God. In a world that is kicking him to the curb, I want to do that right. So may this scripture to us this morning be an encouragement that we can do this. If you're doing it, keep going. And if you're not, this could be a change in your life that will make a difference. So please pay attention to that. They're going to sing a song this morning. I'm going to let them sing, and then we're going to do communion here in just a little bit right after that. But listen to the words of this song, if you would, please. Because I believe that these words of these songs if you've got a resolution in your heart that you want to do this year that would help you resolve and be set apart and be holy and live by God's will and for his will, this song will help.